Cheers Cast is part of the Fire and Water Network. Uh, Sam, I don't think that's a good idea. Why not? Diane's not the kind of woman who'd like to find out that her ring was bought from a jeweler who begins every transaction with psst, buddy. Uh, no, you make, you're making it sound worse than it is. I mean, I'm sure everything's legit. All right, fine, Bruce. Great. Psst, Sammy, come here. You want to go where everybody knows your name. Hello and welcome back to Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm Ryan Daly and joining me once again to discuss the fifth season episode, Diamond Sam, is friend of the network, Danny Ulrich. How's it going, Danny? I'm doing good. I got my impressions ready for you. <laughs> good. Oh, man. We're going to talk about those impressions. Uh, are impressionist painters or are we talking about certain uh, local politicians? We'll, we'll find uh, one, that one does not know, you know, who am I intimidating, you know? <laughs> we'll get right to that in the teaser. But uh, before that, yeah, like I said, we're talking about season five, episode 14, Diamond Sam. This one is written by Tom Reader. Uh, and I, I had to double check his credits because this is his sixth script for Cheers. And it's the sixth of seven, so he only gets one more. But um, he was a pretty, kind of like a mainstay average, basically won a season for a while. So, yeah, good to see him again. Uh, directed by Jim Burroughs, and the original air date was Thursday, January 15th, 1987. Sam and Diane announce their engagement at Cheers, where everyone is happy for them, except Carla, who slips into a state of denial. A problem arises when Sam learns that Diane's dream engagement ring costs $5,200. But Norm's got a guy who can sell Sam the exact same ring for $1,200. Sam buys the cheaper ring, figuring Diane will never know the difference until she wants the box that it came in. Now Sam has to go to the jewelry store to buy something else just to get the box. Then Diane wants to buy a dress from the store right next to the jewelry store. And to keep her from seeing her dream ring still there in the window, Sam has to buy every dress at the other store. Then Diane wants to get the ring appraised for the insurance, so Sam is forced to finally buy the original ring at full price. Later, after he has placed the legit ring on her finger, Diane intercepts a call and learns of Sam's deal with Norm's shady friend. Thinking the ring on her finger is counterfeit, she chucks it out the window of Sam's car. After Sam confesses to everything and tallies up the near $9,000 he just spent to avoid spending half of that on the ring, Diane concedes that no matter which ring she wears, the symbol of their love will remain true. All right, Dan, what did you think about this episode? So I really enjoyed this episode. It, it follows up from the um, everyone, the ones that you didn't like earlier where, you know, Diane was constantly harassing, essentially, Sam to become, you know, ask her to marry him. Uh, so now we get that follow-up, and now we're into sort of the romance. But again, you see things that happen in the relationship that, normal people would not do normal people would talk it out and everything but between the two of them they're like uh oil and water they they yeah, mix yeah. together well <laughs> exactly so um and it follows like a a standard sitcom plot you yes. know it keeps escalating further and it also it compares to a uh children's nursery rhyme i don't know if you're familiar with it the old lady is swallowed to fly oh sure yeah 
Yeah, so they that Burl Eyes has sing, uh, sung it. Uh, they've made many versions of it on on different children's books. And I, um, if you have Disney Plus, um, if you go watch the Muppet Show season two with Judy Collins, she even does a skit with uh, Waldorf and Statler as well, commentating as she sings the song. Huh. So uh, yeah, it's that's a fun skit to look at if you've never seen it. But uh, it's the same concept where it keeps escalating worse and worse and worse, and from what he could have, Sam could have done, which, you know, we understand reasonably, <laughs> but it's, it's Diane. And as, right. Frazier, as Frazier explains, which we'll get into. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is It is the the kind of common trope in, in storytelling is the very small lie that quickly balloons out of control. And the the compounding interest on the original deception keeps making it worse and worse and for for his lie for his original sin it's almost like he's extorting himself like he's blackmailing himself to keep the secret and it just keeps getting more and more ridiculous um and yeah you're right like i i i'll admit like i I was surprised at how much i liked this episode upon revisiting and it's because the path to get to this point in their relationship, as, as I often lamented, I did not like their so-called courtship in the first half of the season. And it culminated in the previous episode when they actually do get engaged in a court of law or else Sam goes to jail. Like it's such a bizarrely forced you know, like Cisco had kept coming. It's like the same type of sitcom logic that, like, somebody who is sentenced to be Seinfeld's butler. It's one of those things that's just kind of like <laughs> dumb on the face of it. Now, that episode was funny, but it just felt like the, the, the final climax of their courtship was just kind of so, like, are you kidding me? So now to get into this new phase where they are engaged, it feels like like there's a there's a new kind of magic that reminds me of season two when they were dating. What does Sam have to do in order to keep pace with a woman like Diane, who in certain areas is way out of his league? And now we find like even like financially and everything. So to, in order to buy to, to get this ring, he's willing to take the shortcut. And you can't do that. First of all, you can't do that with Diane, as as Frazier puts points out. And you also really shouldn't do that with the woman you intend to marry, unless you can be honest about it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, you know, of course there'd be no story. There'd be no episode if he was up front and like, Hey, I got you a cheaper ring. It looks similar, <laughs> you know, but Hey, there wouldn't be a story. There wouldn't be comedy with it, you know? Right. Right. <laughs> you wouldn't get the final bill at the tent, but um, yeah. So as you alluded to earlier, the teaser Frazier is reading in the newspaper that there is a show of impressionists coming to Boston and not talking about, well, he, he is talking about impressionist painters, but the gang around him, Woody, Norman, Cliff, start doing impressions of people. And Cliff tries to do the segue by impersonating French painter Cezanne with his like very, very forced accent. And then we hear Norm do a pretty good John Wayne and Frazier naturally just because of Kelsey Grammer's brilliance does a right. pretty a really good Jimmy Stewart <laughs> this leads yeah. Woody to say hang on guys how about this and he like tussles his hair a little bit sticks something like like a pen in his mouth or a, a straw in his mouth to be like like a little like weed or something like that and like shoves like a towel on his like stomach to be give himself like a pot belly and he does this 
with this comical southern accent and just goes, say, fellas, I think there's about a, we might get a touch of rain this evening. (laughs) And they're like, Woody, who the hell is that? (laughs) And he goes, well, obviously it's Dwight Womack, the mayor of Hanover, Indiana. And I, I'm wondering, like, we've heard about Woody and kind of like his, his past a little bit, but I'm wondering if this is the first time he's kind of shed a little light on his hometown that way because he, well, he, I mean, he will talk about been, Hanover a lot but right it's the first time we've heard like a person who sounds like they're from there other than Woody uh his version at least Woody's version um but like we always hear stories about kind of strange country characters that live in this town uh but this is sort of like a glimpse like hey what's this like the the guy who sits on the stoop at the grocery store or the little general store, it's in the middle of town. And he got elected mayor and that's what it sounds <laughs> yeah, like. You know? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And they kind of point out to him, it's like the point of impressions is to do famous people. And Woody again, and I, I can't tell if this is a line that coach could have gotten away with or not. The delivery would have been different, but I wonder if coach could have sold this the same way. But Woody goes, if I could do someone famous, why do you think I'd be doing Dwight Womack? <laughs> and they're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> they're like, you got you you catered the game towards your skill set, your strengths, and it's it's a little bit kind of changing the rules, but you did it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so then, anyway, once we we get back to it, so Sam and Diane show up to the bar, and they're going to announce their engagement, and Sam or Diane wants Sam to tell them. But she also has to vet how he says it. Like, have to like give him almost prepared remarks. And I love that she whispers to something to him, and he's like, "Nobody knows who the Lunts are," <laughs> which I I am imagining he's talking about brought the the stage couple Alfred Lunt and um, what was his wife's name, Lynn Fontaine. Yeah. Uh, oh yes, yes. I was going to say Mildred, but that's not right. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um. Anyway, they, so they, they, um, so they, they sort of, she makes them sort of drag it out as they're having this sort of back and forth. And you just see the gang just like, just listening and watching them. And you can see Frazier's growing frustration as he obviously knows where this is going. But yeah, I, I like that. Yeah. As you stated before, just Kelsey Grammer's facial expressions as, you know, he, you can see it all in his eyes. And, and he's just rolling it and he's like, okay. They get in the gaze again. They got, this is what's happened. And like, I got to deal with it. And, you know, over and over until like, of course, Diane's got to have it a certain way to be said, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and until he comes to like, you know, we toasted our nuptials, which of course Woody has a great reply. <laughs> Ouch. <Yeah. laughs> and they both like, wait, no, Woody, that's not what you think. <laughs> and they just, they start to want to explain, then they like just give it up. They just yeah, like, just all right, we're gonna move on. Yeah, um, yeah. If if Frazier never has a line of dialogue, he would still be like the third best actor in the show, just because of those those reactions. Um, so when when Sam goes back to the bar, Norman's like, "I thought you said you'd never marry Diane." He's like, "I didn't say that." He's like, "Yeah, you did yesterday." <laughs> he's like, "He's like, yeah." He's like, "You'd rather do something," and I don't remember the threat and. It was uh, have all his hairs on his on his arm removed. I think is what yeah, it was. <laughs> and Fraser congratulates Diane and says, "I hope you're planning to stay through the whole ceremony this time." <laughs> um, 
And then we get one of those little like out of left field nowhere things like Cliff is like another one bites the matrimonial dust. I guess that leaves just one stud to handle all the babes in this bar and walking right behind him. Old Al. <laughs> just yes. with his voice like, I can handle it too. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> one of the great Al quotes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, of course, we find out that, that Carla is in complete denial. He, she refuses to, to acknowledge the, the truth of the situation, what's going on. And Frazier says she's in denial. And Wood goes, what does that mean? And he's like, well, it, the situation is so horrifying to her that like, the, the mind refuses to accept what it can't understand. And Woody goes, what's that mean, Dr. Crane? It's <laughs> sort of to your point, otherwise, he's like, Woody, it means you don't understand this and you never will. And Woody smiles. <laughs> no, thanks. It's also something you could probably post on social media when you get to a topic that you don't want to get in an argument with someone just like, you're in denial, which is this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and just and, let it go from there. Walk away. <laughs> and there's a, there's a brilliant moment here for Fraser that I love. Not just because it's funny, but it's sort of like, it really cut, cuts to the core of him because he goes, I think I should get personally involved. After all, Carla is a good friend. Maybe I can alleviate some of her suffering. Besides, there's nothing good on TV. <laughs> that, it really snuck up on me how much I liked that line. But I was like, yeah, Frazier, he is a healer. He's a, a, a doctor, but he's also like doesn't like to do it for free. And he's also <laughs> a little bit on the lazy side. And, and maybe that's a bit of cheers rubbing off on him at this point in, in his life. That's like we're already seeing him kind of get sucked down to the bar's level where – yeah, I'll do this. I'll do my job and I'll do this, you know, thing that's for the, for the health care and the well-being of a friend. But yeah, I it guess is. if there's that's... nothing else going on. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's almost it's, a last I mean, resort. Well, right. And, and it shows like how Frazier changed, how Cheers changed Frazier, actually. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, but like if, when you get to Frazier, his own show, uh, his brother, his Niles, mm-hmm. is basically what Frazier could have stayed on that course if he, you know, hadn't gotten sucked into the vortex of Cheers. Right, right. And they point, they point that out, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's what that's what's showing now. That's what made that show good, too, because then you see things that that was Frazier was like, and now Niles is exhibiting all these things that Frazier used to be. Mm-hmm. When we get to the whole ring part, as I mentioned, Diane wants this one that costs $5,200. Norm has this friend named Bruce who buys diamonds gold wholesale and sells them without the market. And <laughs> Frazier's kind of warning Sam. He's like, Diane isn't going to be happy to learn that her engagement ring was bought by a guy who begins his transactions with Buddy. <laughs> And then the perfect follow-up to that is because Sam is like, no, no, it'll be fine. She'll never know. And Norm hangs up the phone and goes, Sammy. <laughs> like, like, like perfect validation of, of Fraser's whole point. Well, so, I, I love the part, right, you kind of skipped a bit just to it uh, with Sam when he first calls up. You know, he gets Woody to try and get a call. So he calls up the Diamond Place because he gets a number from Diane. And he just calls up and asks about the ring. And it as he just starts laughing and keeps on laughing as he slams down the phone. You know, it's just, it was a perfect, you know, physical <laughs> yeah. comedy by Ted Danson. Just like, you know, it was like, yeah, how much is that one? And it just starts laughing as he's laughing at more hysterically as he slams the phone down. Yeah. <laughs> so the first, 
problem, right? Because he, he gets the ring, he shows it to her. She loves it. She's completely like convinced and everything. Then she asks for the box, and he's like, "Oh, they didn't give me a box. I told her she would just wear it." <laughs> and he's like, and "Meanwhile, free, um, Sam is sliding the paper bag that it came in across the bar towards Norm, who has to subtly hide it under himself." And, I don't know, like, well, I can't say how we had our rings. We were to drawer, all that stuff. So I can't say, like, I don't know. They wouldn't have, like, a generic box to put that in. But obviously, you know, you need more of that for the comedy just in itself. <laughs> so. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm imagining this guy that uh, Norm was talking to is just one stage above the guys who have jewelry in the on the inside of their jacket. Yes. <laughs> so, or or the truck truck in a car or something you lift up the truck yeah and yeah exactly. all these so, chains and everything's in there. <laughs> and these little displays with like fingers on them you know with the and there's all these different <laughs> rings you know? yeah. so i think the paper bag is probably more realistic than like the right. box with like the whole right. like the store's name embroidered on it and everything but anyway this, this this great part sam has to go out and get the box and he come back and he's like, he's like, I had to buy. They made me buy something in order to get it. I'm like, what'd you get? He's like, two hundred and ninety dollars for these sterling silver corn cob holders. And they're like, why did you buy those? He's like, well, everything else seemed like such a ripoff. <laughs> but I paid three hundred dollars for corn cob holders. Um, which later on, I love the part that he actually comes back to that thing when they're sitting by the curb after like the car crash and everything. And he's like, by the way, do you like corn cob? <laughs> Yeah, I know. Diane looks like so confused, like all of a sudden just non sequitur. You like right. going to cop, and she's just like, <laughs> she's like oh. so she's talking about getting this dress that she fancies, and he's like, yeah, go. He's like, go get the dress, do whatever you want, and everything. And he's feeling good about himself. And as soon as he says that, you see Norman Cliff. They're like one step ahead of Sam because they kind of like look at each other and they're like, oh, he doesn't realize what he just sent her to do. And then they have to tip him off. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. He's like, I, he has to like stop her from leaving. He's like, I already bought you the dress. He's like, it's, I just wanted to surprise you. It's out in the car. So he runs out and he comes back with four pink dresses because he's like, what color was that dress you said? And she's like, pink. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, he, um, said, he described it. What was that unusual color of the dress? And it's like pink. <laughs> which, which that would have been the time when she says mauve or something like that. Right. <laughs> but she's like pink. And he's like, oh, yeah, of course, pink. Yeah. It's like that word I can never remember. So he comes back with four pink dresses because those were all in the window. And she's like, you were gone an awful lot of time. And he's like, I thought you were just going to your car. He's like, yeah, I had a parking ticket and I decided to pay it in court or I decided to fight it in court. <laughs> just every every time he's like getting caught like when she's catching him just like sam's his excuses and his reasons just get crazier and crazier and i love them um um fine. you have to mention also that like you know diane she wanted to have the box because she wanted to put it in her memento drawer where mm-hmm. she keeps her french club pin and her retainer. And I'm like, why? Why would you keep your childhood retainer? You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's Diane. Who knows? <laughs> the last sort of bit of craziness, the last step of this is when she wants to get it appraised and she wants to have the whole thing for the insurance. So he goes back to the jewelry store 
And maybe in his mind, he thought he'd be able to haggle, do something. But he does come back. He's like, I got the actual ring with the box, the whole thing. And it could be appraised. And he's like, I got a really interesting price on it. And Cliff is like, full price? He's like, just about, yeah. <laughs> he's like, so this one he's bothering twice. Um, but he told Diane that he went to the doctor because he said he needed to get, before they get married, he wants to get a physical. How does he say? He wants to make sure the Evan Root is still working or something. <laughs> the Evan Root is um, still motor. <laughs> yeah and my like my home run is in part of the scene so i'll skip that and i'll come back to that later um but yeah then this like whole thing like she later on she gets this phone call for sam and she finds out that it's this bruce guy and she over here she's like yes the she did get the ring and she did fall for it and everything so now she thinks the ring on her finger uh which oh because he, he switched it he switched the rings he asked her to close her eyes while he actually put the ring on her finger officially. And he said, I have to tell you something and I, I would be embarrassed. And he says, Diane, you're really neat. <laughs> like that's like the, <laughs> that like reminds me of the season two episode when they, when they take their little hiatus and they have to think about what they're still, what is the nature of their relationship? Why are they together? And he has like a week to think about it and can't think of anything. And when she finally comes up with this explanation, all he can say is ditto. <laughs> like, that's, <laughs> like that's that's as heartfelt as he can get in this moment. Like when he's just clearly not on the line, he's just trying to cover his ass. He just thinks, Diane, you're really neat. <laughs> and he could have just like, you know, episodes beforehand, you know, he had mm-hmm. kept the love letters that or love poems that she right. wrote him. Right. You know, yeah. even quoting or remembering, like you would think he would treasure them that he would have them memorized somewhat you know <laughs> but eh, it's sam you know? mm-hmm. and then we get a, a new scene i think uh it's a little known fact this is the first episode to show sam's corvette um yeah. we actually get a scene with the two of them in the car i know in later seasons there will be a, a scene with sam and woody in the car actually with woody driving uh when sam is her when he throws his back out and some weird kind of daydream fantasy scenes of uh, Sam with his imagined son um, as like a flash forward future type of fantasy thing. But, but yeah, there he's in the car with Diane after, and after dinner and she's mad and she confronts him about the ring. She throws it out the window. He slams on the brakes and the car behind them slams into them. (laughs) And then like we get to them on the street corner trying to fish the ring out of the sewer drain. And that's when Sam has to sit there and he's like, okay, so I spent $1,200 on the bogus ring, $250 on the corn cob holders, um, $1,000 damages in the car, and then like $5,200 for the original ring. And he's like, all of these things that he's telling me, he's like, $9,000 for a ring I no longer have. (laughs) Well, I mean, like the whole thing, leading up to that in the car, like you could see... Uh, I don't know how many people have been in this type of relationship, but I mean, you can see how mad she is and Sam can sense it all of a sudden. And he's like, you've been awfully quiet. And then, and then you could tell she's motored up and ready to go to start fighting. And he's like, "Uh Oh, <laughs> you know, and before she throws out, he's saying like, Hey, I, I switched the ring, <laughs> but she still, she already had a mindset and just threw it, you know? Right. <laughs> Cause then after the crash, she's like, what did you say about yes. switching the ring? <laughs> yes. <laughs> But it does lead to this is what makes it really, I think, pushes the episode, you know, to be a, one of the better ones for the season is uh, is them sitting there 
talking to each other. And of course, she wants to get into this. You know, first Sam has to confess that he, you know, he was trying to do everything he could to make her happy. You know, basically that was what the biggest thing was. And you know, he realized he should have just gone out the front and just told her, you know, hey, it was a cheaper ring. Um, but you know, it's. It, it, it just shows, like, again, their relationship, you know, it's like they, they think, they don't really think, they just act upon everything. But he and... also, he takes a shot at her, too. He gets a little bit defensive. Yes. Like, he's like, I was just trying to do this to be, I was just trying to do this to make you happy, which I should have, I should have known right. I couldn't do that. And she's like, well, I'm sorry. He's like, you should be. <laughs> like, wait a minute, wait a minute. What, what did she do wrong that she should be sorry? <laughs> He's like, just, well, as soon as as soon as she apologizes, he's going to take that as a victory and and like yes. and declare victory and walk off the field and say, "Wait a minute, no, stop! You did not win this situation." <laughs> yes, <laughs> but I mean that's that's their relationship, you know. Exactly, it's, it's, exactly. They, they 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 act and then yeah. they, they think about it afterwards, or wow. you know, it, it's it's always one person's doing something more than the other one is. And so when the other one tries to compensate, that's where the whole conflict happens again, which right. is why they can't be together. It's just, it's not a, it's not a healthy relationship, which we've all n- witnessed and discussed, you know, for five years. Oh, well, of the show. Five seasons yeah, yeah. Of the show. yeah. So at last she says, you know, whatever the price, the, the, the symbol of what you wanted to get me and like the, the ring is, is more important than everything and she he she puts the or he puts the the other ring on her finger and she starts she's like this reminds me of a fable from the 18th century and, she starts, and he's like diane no 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 i can't right now and she's like well at least let me tell you the moral of the story she's like you're really neat too um and it's a nice nice little capper and then she's like but we can still look for the good, good ring and they like turn back to look down the sewer trying to find it Wait, you're not going to skip the ending, are you? Oh, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> okay, well, that's basically. I think you you took my other home run, but this is the other home run for me. Then was the ending of uh, the whole time. They they did have uh, com- conversations with Carla. Uh, there was one point where she's like, "Where is Sam?" And Frazier's like, "Oh, she's starting to realize her surroundings," and like. Uh, yeah, Sam, you know, he's out getting something right now. Um, did you know that uh, Sam is engaged to someone? And she goes, yes. And she's like, and then Diane's like, who's he engaged to? She's like, Norm. <laughs> yeah. so, so, and Frazier's like, oh, well, it, it's a progress, I guess. You know? <laughs> but yeah, then yeah. at the end, yes, at yeah. the end, it like all of a sudden hits her and <laughs> This this poor gentleman that's sitting there, the extra is sitting there. And she Phil, just yeah, it's, it's it's Phil, the guy who, uh, played by her father, by real pro. Right, dad, exactly. Yeah. Yes, that's why I thought it was. I know y'all mentioned it on the show before, but yes. Yeah. Um, so yes, <laughs> she just screams no to the highest <laughs> heaven, better than than Bader, you know. Yeah, yeah. And just <laughs> and collapses the table. <laughs> This delayed reaction, like two days later, it just hits her. Like, oh man, that was good. I, I, it was it was a relief to come to this episode, and and luckily, like we're gonna hit a string of really strong episodes going forward from here. 
um, which is nice because I, they like the first half, and it, you know, as I as I mentioned, the first half of season five had some really good episodes, and I think we were we had a few just recently, some really good episodes. Um, but the overall overarching kind of meta plot, I felt, was a little bit dragging it down. Now we're in a new phase, and some things will feel familiar, some things will feel different. But overall, I just felt like this one, it. It, it it was reminiscent of their relationship in season two, but at a new level with kind of a new context. And it was fun. It was a kind of classic sitcom trope that we've seen this type of story before. But just the nature of these characters, they made it so fun to watch. Um, and it was, yeah, it's just a really, really fun episode. I like this one a lot. Yeah. Yes. Here, here. Yeah. Um, for Norm's tab, this is this is one of those episodes where we get a lot of time jumps because of Sam having to keep leaving and coming back. So because of that, uh, Norm had four beers this episode, uh, which brings him up to 443 for the series right now. <laughs> Employee of the week, I thought I, I, pretty easily Sam. I mean, everybody yeah. everybody does such a good job. All the ensemble at this point, we can say everybody does well. But it's a Sam his deception, his trying to save himself or the driving focus, and he does such a good job with that. It's mine as well. Sam is also the employee of the week. I mean, yeah, all the all the things he tried to make Diane happy with, and, <laughs> and they kept blowing up in his face. So, <laughs> one way or another. So for the for the home run. I I love this part when he comes back after he said that he after he told her that he went to the doctor sort of like his checkup physical and everything before that this is after he's bought the ring so he's pretty much mentally emotionally and financially exhausted at this point just from having to go back and forth and do all these things to perpetuate the lie and she goes Sam what did the doctor say and it's like he didn't even have to think about it. It's just it's on the tip of his tongue. He's like, oh, the same thing he always says. Wow. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just, like, just to compliment himself. Just like he's, he, he could say anything to lie in that moment. But still, when it comes to thinking about himself and his own body, he's going to present himself as this Adonis, this work of art that a doctor would be impressed by. And it's still kind of in his in his mind when he's perpetuating this lie. And again, I can't say this enough. Frazier's reaction in the background of this is like half stupefied and rolling his eyes, but also kind of bizarrely impressed that Sam like feels this way about himself that he would do this in the heat of this lie. But I just love it. He's like, what do the doctor say? Oh, same thing he always says. Wow. <laughs> oh, chef's kiss. Yes, that yeah, that was my home run too. But I had my backup, so yes, my backup was the end. You know, with Carla, yeah. <laughs> with the no the delayed response, it finally dawns yes. on Carla. Just the shriek, the scream, and the collapse. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you, and I I don't know, I can't remember if you mentioned it before. So when this was airing at the time, you might have been too young for it. So mm-hmm. were you aware of Shelley Long leaving the show? Or you weren't aware at that time? No, like I, no, I wouldn't have been aware. Like I've been, I've been trying to go back in my memory and remember this as much as possible. And I was aware of the show because my parents were watching it. I was still fairly right. young, but to my mind, I think 
maybe my first real memory of watching the show with my parents and my brother, like as a family, like sitting down where I was going to take part in this. It might've been the season six premiere with Rebecca and knowing being like, kind of like hearing it from them or being told that we were getting a new character. Like they, they were introducing this new actress who was replacing the old one. And I, I, I probably, I'd seen, like just kind of like in, in passing other episodes and repeats with Diane. So like, I, I think by the time I was really getting into the show, the change had been made. So I didn't have the investment in, in Diane. Um, okay. Certainly, certainly for the life of my watching it in real time were those Rebecca years. And I was always right. more of a Rebecca right. fan because she was the present person she was the one that i was seeing now and she was a sex symbol at the time and there was like all this like heat. and i i just i i wasn't as familiar with diane it really it wasn't until i did a more of a deep dive it, like, i mean because i would watch the reruns and stuff like that but i i was i wasn't as like tuned in or as as impressed with the older ones but it, like it was later on when i got to do a deeper dive on the show when i was like oh right. shelly long was phenomenal and like she was like so much better as a character as an actress. Um, I still love where the rest of the cast and like the the ensemble is during those Rebecca years. But yeah, Shelley was just so like, amazing in the part. Right. But, yeah. Oh so yeah. To answer, I that, agree. to answer that question, like no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have seen this episode in real time. I don't think, and I wouldn't have had the awareness that the actress was leading. Like I okay. think. I think when I started, it was like. We're watching the show now. By the way, there, there's a brand new character who replaced somebody who left, and I think that's right. how I knew it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, so I'm I'm older than you. Um, so like at this point, I was in high school when these episodes were airing, and I I would get USA Today and and read the life section and you know know what entertainment news is going on. Um, so I was aware of what uh, Shelley Long was not happy and wanting to leave the show um i didn't know how it was going to play out and see but i mean at this point i kind of knew like they're doing this but then i don't know how those characters are going to end um and we'll see from there um it was the same thing like you know as because it got to the point where now we're in seasons where i'm it, it was the big thursday night lineup at mm-hmm. this time, it was the powerhouse years. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you watched all, all the way through. Cause uh, I think right. LA law was uh, also by that time was already starting up. So I went from Hill street blues to LA law. So, yep. but yep. I mean, you had like night court afterwards. And before that you had family ties and you had the Cosby show before that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so this was the, the time um, when Cheers mm-hmm. was the biggest, um, with all those other shows and, it, right. you know, and they were able to stay out on their own and stay at the same time slot, you know, Thursdays at nine Eastern, eight central, uh, the whole 11 years. So, right. um, so I was aware and, um, but I, I'm, I just want to know what you thought. Cause I, I'll miss Shelly long. It, it, to me, the show does really does change similar to the other show that I, do on this network mash uh where the characters all change because you know the first three seasons once henry leaves and trapper leaves and they bring in bj and they bring harry uh, uh harry morgan to bring in colonel potter um it really changes the dynamic of the show same thing happens i mean they were already planting the seeds of being a more of an ensemble 
place uh, workplace show as you mentioned um and i could see that happening and what was going to keep going i didn't know at this time i didn't know who was you know christy alley was going to be next one in line um but you know i i I do appreciate Shelly Long. And that's my biggest thing is I wanted to say thank you to Shelly Long. Um, I think she had a lot of negative things. I think people kind of turned against her personally uh, and professionally. um, And I, it's a shame. Um, But I mean, I think she was a great star for this show. And I think now people have come back and appreciate it back around to that, you know, versus, over yeah. 30 years ago when this was happening, you know, 30, 35 years ago. Um, so Absolutely. You know, thank yeah. you. Thank you to Miss Long. And I will miss her, you know, being on cheers when uh, we keep going from here until the season ends, you know, appreciate it, you know, and keep going from there. And then, you know, the show stays funny. It's okay. The show mm-hmm. still stays funny from this point on. <laughs> Besides those mash cast appearances, anything you need to plug or anything you're working on? No, uh, I, I really don't have my own podcast or anything. I, I'm out there in Twinosphere, uh, DSU, NOL, LA, uh, 1971, if you want to tweet anything at me. But I, I really don't, you know, I don't attack anything. I just mostly like comic books and movie stuff that's out there or sports. Um, I'm in any kind of sports and that. Um, and then on Facebook, I'm uh, under Danny Ulrich, if you want to follow me there. And I have my own little fun thing I'm doing. I, I, 1982 to me is like one of the greatest movie years ever. And so like mm. um, every Saturday, well, it's right now it's happens following Saturday, but I'm, I'm posting the day of release of what's coming, what came out that week in 1982 uh, every week. And I'm just getting my own little comments on it because, um, you know, this was a year that thing, the thing came out, John Carpenter's the thing. ET came out, uh, Rocky three came out. Um, There's a lot of huge movies that I came out this year. And uh, you know, there's some, of course there's some, you know, dogs out there. Right, right. I, there's a there's a lot of films like Blade Runner. You know, like unappreciated yep. at the time, or the John Carpenter's a thing, unappreciated at the time, or didn't really do well. And now, look at them; they're like one of the greatest movies ever made. You know, mm-hmm. and it just when you see, like, it's just for me, it's a fun project. I just like to post it out there and see how many people remember that these films came out 40 years ago. I mean. Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan with, you know, Chrissy Alley was in it, you know, and so that came out in 1982. You know, there's just a lot of great movies. And so I'm just posting that out there, just having fun with that. Two of the most important things to my fandom that kind of dominated my life, um, Cheers and G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, both came out in 1982. (laughs) Both started those years, so. (laughs) All right, well, again, Again, Danny, thanks for being on the show with me. And thanks to all of you out there who listen to Cheerscast and support the show by liking and sharing on social media and leaving comments on the website, fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can also support the Fire and Water Podcast Network on Patreon. Special thanks to Ashford from the Right On Podcast Network and Rick from Jeff and Rick Presents, who sponsor this show. Go to patreon.com slash fwpodcast to support your favorite show on the Fire and Water Network. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And until next time, we're closed. No, no, no. Wait a second. Let's tally up the damages here. The first ring was $1,200. The box was $290. 
four lovely pink frocks was a mere 950. The uh, damages on the car will be at least a grand. And let's not forget about the $5,200 bite I was hoping to avoid in the first place, bringing it to a grand total of $9,000 for a ring I no longer have. (laughs) Well, I hasten to add that this was all of your own volition. Two ninety for the box. Yeah. Do you, do you like corn on the cob? <laughs> 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 